Does everybody know what time it is? It's time to make the most of your life before your face caves in. <laughs> That's right. It's too late. Oh, shit. Don't you wish your podcast was a freak like us? Don't you wish your podcast was raw like us? No. Don't you wish your podcast was fun like Grunt Work, the only podcast about the TV show Home Improvement that tosses one baby out with each wash? Oh, (laughs) how many babies total are in your wash? Just one per wash. Okay. That's why it's one per wash. All right. That's good then. I am your host, uh, Landon, the surprise man, Solano, joined always by my co-host, Truman Party Favor Caps. (laughs) I don't do favors for anyone at a party, <laughs> short of just showing up, which is... And that's all that anyone ever wants. Yeah, well, sometimes they expect gifts, but I do not oblige. <laughs> Truman, it's good to see you, buddy. It's good to be seen, Landon, and good to see you as well. Uh, I feel like we should bring our listeners into the narrative of our story. Let's get uh, let's get down and dirty, grimy. Grimy? Why? I don't, what what voice like, is this that you're I mean, using? You're like underneath the, the refrigerator for some reason. <laughs> Wait, well, I think the real answer is you need to clean beneath your refrigerator more often. You and I are batch recording today. Oh, yes, we are. Which means this is part one of a two-part recording session. Um, I just feel like that's worth bringing into focus, uh, considering how much I lose my shit uh, in one episode. Yeah. I can't imagine the trajectory of two episodes. Okay, so what, what we're basically saying, this is a preview for next week's episode. If you guys want, the, if you want to see like the I'm last... the end of this one. The last 30 minutes of 2001 A Space Odyssey, where everything is just crazy and makes no sense, that will be the entirety of next week's grunt work. Uh-huh. Here, here, expect your regularly scheduled lucidity for the first hour or so. Or uh, so. Yeah, or so. We'll see. It is, it is unseasonably warm for the second half of November. It is, but it feels comfortable in here. Yeah. Um, I want to go into two quick preamble things, okay. if you're cool with that. No, um, Landon. No. Flip the table. As you and listeners know, uh, I am an avid watcher of Unsolved Mysteries. Yes, you are. I Did you solve one? I got my Home Improvement Unsolved Mysteries crossover this week. Oh my god, congratulations. <laughs> Blake Clark, who plays uh, Harry, mm-hmm. Harry's Hardware. Ah, uh, yes. Uh he used to be a stand-up comedian yeah. and would perform at the Comedy Store. Mm-hmm. And there was an episode, I think it's in season seven, it might be in season eight, I don't know where I'm at now, uh, where they cover how haunted the Comedy Store is. And he's one of two people that they interview for it. Oh my. Now, the reason I bring this up is because he experienced some stuff that I also experienced during my time at the Comedy Store. Oh shit, you got haunted by this. That's like... Not to the level that he you know, claims that he did, but uh, he certainly... more comedy than you. Certain things, yes. Yeah. Um, from my, my personal experience, not, this isn't a ghost show, but this is around the subject. Yeah. Uh, so I used to do um, some web design and also used to be a stand-up comedian, um, but I got to uh, kind of go wherever I wanted to in the Comedy Store because mm-hmm. I was in with uh, the producers there. And they there's this... I guess you would now call it a green room. I don't think that they called it that then. But right off of the wing of the main stage, there's a room where the other comedians would wait before they go on. Yeah. And there is a uh, coffee table there that is (laughs) – this is just so 1980s cocaine fuel. (laughs) Uh, 
it's a coffee table in the shape of a grand piano. Nice. That is how does that even one hundred percent mirror? Oh god. <laughs> um, and so when I was getting the tour of the comedy store, uh, and I was back in there, uh, there was a glass uh, ashtray sitting yeah. on top of this thing. Yeah, and it was moving, or at least it moved while I was there. And now I see. Now I'm the type of person. In the episode of Unsolved Mysteries, they're talking about a stool moving across the stage. Yeah. I see this glass ashtray on a mirror coffee table. My instinct is, you know, when you put water down and you set your glass down yeah, and then it kind of drifts. Of, yeah, yeah, exactly. Something like that was probably happening. Or it was an earthquake. But there was no one there. I mean, this wasn't during, or an earthquake, yeah, perhaps. Or the comedian earthquake was, was there. <laughs> um, anyway, I just thought that that was interesting. Also uh, worth stating... Blake Clark is the one person from Home Improvement that we, well, I'm not going to say I was in the movie, but I was an extra in the movie oh, with Oh, okay, him. okay. So there's these weird interconnected uh, yeah, keep, little things. Keep tying it back. I'm thinking that, that the reason for that glass ashtray moving on the mirrored grand piano coffee table was clearly that a ghost was doing cocaine and bumped it <laughs> with his head. Doing ghost cane as he as he went across. See, I don't believe in ghosts, so I would say it was the ashtray doing cocaine. <laughs> I don't believe in ghosts either, but I do believe in ghost drugs, which are way better than human drugs. <laughs> when Snoop Dogg dies, he's going to have such great ghost weed. Uh, okay, one other point of order before what? we go into uh, this episode. Yes. Um, as many of you who follow us on uh, social media know, we have had our uh, Patreon thank you day. Yes. Where we announced that any patron... Uh, at any level, uh, from here and through to the future, we'll get a copy of our new Mystery Science Theater, Truman and Landon, in the uh, Gruntwork Studios pointing at the screen print. And you call, and that's the name, that's the official name that we're going to go with every time. You call it R, but let's make clear that this was uh, this was something that Landon dreamed up, that Landon painted, Landon gifted to me as the sweetest and most wonderful of birthday <laughs> gifts. And now you can have... A piece of our amazing friendship for your own, and you can pretend that Landon made this great thing for you. He didn't. He made it for me. He will forever be an imposter. But you can pretend. I won't. Yeah. I won't tell you not to pretend. So uh, if you um, join up on uh, uh, Patreon, whether it's the one dollar level uh, Grunthead or it's the fifteen dollar Al uh, Al's pal, yeah, uh, you will get a print of this. But you just have to provide us with your. Um, your address, your shipping address uh, when you sign up so that we know who to send it to. And if you subscribe at $10,000 a month, we will come to your house and do that pose permanently. Oh, wow. Your Just, arm's going to get tired. I'm glad I drew, drew me I with know, my hands I, in my lap. I, I know. It's the sacrifice that I make. But, dude, it's 10000 bucks a month. <laughs> I mean, for a six fan, I mean, now, we'll get weekends off, Do obviously. we have to bring our own lighting so that we get that silhouette effect? No, I feel like, well, actually, if they're paying us 10000 a month, I feel like we kind of have to, to have to bite the bullet on that one. But we okay. buy, like, what, one Klieg light and uh, a big screen and a couple of seats we just get the i got an idea okay so uh we get the miniaturizer from yes. uh last season of home improvement of course shrink us down to four inches and then we set ourselves up in front of their tv screen so that we point and watch whatever tv show that they're watching i hope they don't watch home improvement because i cannot <laughs> i i can't watch the show again well we had an okay episode we this had week. we know we really did that's uh, a great segue and actually. why not tell us what happened this week on it this week on home improvement 
Tim has called together all of Jill's friends and relatives to throw her a surprise 39th birthday party two weeks before her actual birthday. But when Jill takes off on an impromptu trip to Dayton to retrieve a childhood piano just before the party's set to begin, Tim has to try and keep all the guests around and the food uneaten until she gets back. Uh, point of order. Yes. She went to Toledo, not Dayton. Toledo, okay. Landon, here's the thing about Ohio. <laughs> it's just one city that I don't want to go to. Just all of it. All of it. Every city in Ohio is the same one. And then there's the Cleveland Art Museum, which is great. I, I'm willing to bet we have some Ohio listeners, so. <laughs> the thing about Ohio is that all of the cities in it are great and amazing. Um, I and... actually really like Cleveland. I've been there a few times. Uh, you, you, okay, maybe I didn't go to the right part of Cleveland. Granted, I was there for a wedding, and uh, I was there for was a wedding too—an amazing wedding. It um, was an okay wedding. There's that. I don't know. The food was really good, and it was an Irish wedding, so they partied. But um, no, I'm mean, okay. No, no, you're right. I was I, I was being harsh on Ohio. I've only been to Cleveland, and only there at a pretty depressing time of year. Their Air and Space Museum was that what it was? No. Their, uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? I did, we didn't even go to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Oh, they, for shame. The second you get off the plane in Cleveland, it's like people from the Board of Tourism come on and are like punching you in the face with like brass knuckles with Rock and Roll Hall of Fame <laughs> on it. Like You get in the taxi and the cab driver's like, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, there Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. There was your one chance to see Jeff Lynn commemorated, and you didn't do it. I commemorate Jeff Lynn in my <laughs> own way every day, Landon. Okay, my personal relationship with Jeff Lynn is none of your business. I don't need to go to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame to celebrate him. <laughs> All of this just to contest that you said Dayton instead of Toledo. Yes. Uh, before we get too far removed from what we're doing here and what the synopsis was, do you want to try and guess what this title is? Yes, I do. I have a hint for you if okay. you want it. Yeah. Uh, there is a similar episode that is similarly titled... Jill's birthday too. <laughs> You're not far off, but let me uh, let me hear what you got. The thirty nine steps to planning a party. Ooh, okay. Because thirty nine. Uh-huh. Um, the piano tool man. <laughs> okay. That's, yeah. And the element of surprise. <laughs> you fit L in even when he's not a main uh, component to any of the stories. Landon, I would argue that Al is in fact the main component to every story, <laughs> and sometimes we just can't see it. <laughs> Al is off there having his own story. I mean, this is Al's world, and Tim and Jill and the boys all just live in it. Wilson, too. This episode is called Jill's Surprise Party, and I want to get that right because last week I got... I, yeah. I misspoke. <laughs> yeah. I said... Uh, her cheating heart, and it's actually her cheating mind. This week, it is Jill's surprise party. Yes. Jill's surprise party. Wow. Yeah. Well, I mean, that, 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 what is it about celebrating Jill's birthday that makes these people unable to come up with a pithy <laughs> title for their show? I don't know. As someone who comes up with multiple questionably good titles <laughs> every week, I mean, they could at least have tried a little harder. Uh, it was released on October 17th, 1995, directed by Andy Cadiff, who did Leave It to Beaver. Another correction from last week, I said that Tim Taylor did not appear in Leave it to Beaver. Upon further exploration into the credits list there, he does. Jill and Tim Taylor both appear in Leave it to Beaver. We, we now have to watch. Now, here's the thing. I, As I said, I did some research. I tried to find a YouTube clip. I tried to find an image. Mm-hmm. Uh, I couldn't find anything. So my fear is that we commit to watching it with the only uh, two connections to Home Improvement being Christopher McDonald and... Uh, um, Tim and Jill. The waitress from, uh, she also appears in it. Uh, Presti, I can't remember her first name. Um, My fear is we're going to watch it 
and there's just going to be an episode of Home Improvement on in the background. Oof. Oh, man. That would be bad. Yeah. Mm. We need we need to do some forensic. Like, we, <laughs> or, or we need to, like, we, you know how on Mythbusters they have, like, that secondary group of Mythbusters they bring on who <laughs> yeah. bust the smaller myths? Tori Carey and yeah, uh, yeah, Grant. Let's get Tori Carey and Grant, basically, to watch this movie and tell us if we should watch it or not. Okay. We need we need research assistance. <laughs> Very good. Yeah. Uh, and then this was also written by Elliot Schoenman, the uh, showrunner, and uh, Marley Sims, who yeah. we've experienced many times in the past and will continue to in the future. And I want to take this moment to say to Elliot Schoenman and Marley Sims. Yeah, let's go into personal reflections. Good job to both of you. Agreed. I liked this episode. I dare say I even loved this episode Ooh, of Home Improvement. Hot dog. And was... you know what's funny? You loved Jill's birthday as well. Did you didn't I? you didn't like the title. I didn't like you the loved, title. I didn't like you the, loved the, title the, either. the episode though. Landon, you remember things about me that I don't remember about me. <laughs> I, I'll take your word for it. This this was just it was like uh, yeah, it was it was great. I w- why isn't every episode like this one? Tim is trying to do a sweet <laughs> thing for Jill. He bumbles it up yep. through good-natured tomfoolery. Jill has her own shit that she's trying to do that yes. takes her on a little journey. It's farcy. Um, not that not... it's written in the language spoken in Iran, but it's it's farcical. Uh, and it's not a bicycle made out of farces. It's farcial. Um <laughs> But it, it's, uh, yeah, I don't know. Like, it, they planted seeds of things early in the episode that then would bloom later down the line yeah. in a funny way and were surprising. I really liked this episode. I agree. A rotating cast of uh, really, really fun uh, guests that we've had in the past. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I like that uh, Tim still gets to act the fool, but this is the way that I like to see it because yes. while he's doing it, he's not doing it at the expense of others. And when he does snap, the others do throw it in his face and, like, call him out for being rude. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Like, he say, he says some stuff about women that is, like, that is, on the face of it, not cool, but he is repeatedly roasted for it and humiliated and because of it. he's playing the ignorance. Yes, Which exactly. is the joke. Yeah. Whereas a lot of times in the past, he hasn't played that ignorance. Or yeah. He's played it more prideful, and that makes it less funny. I, I would compare Tim's and the the kind of Tim antics I like. I would compare it to the show Last Man on Earth, was specifically like <laughs> yes. Now the the first season, uh, I, I'm suddenly blanking on the name of the actor in that. Um, uh, Will Forte. Will Forte. In the first season, Will Forte's character is a really mean and nasty person, but then in every subsequent season, he is he is still this kind of like outlandish doofus who gets on everybody's nerves, yeah. but he is so like he he has so much love for his wife and he really wants the best for everyone yeah. he's trying to do the right thing but he's just doing it in this really fucked up stupid way <laughs> and that immediately makes it all kind of endearing yeah. and i think that that's the same here like tim's whole motive this entire time is doing a nice thing for his wife and that makes it all i think okay. you hit on a really good word there which is endearing which yes. tim has not typically been Ooh. and that is something that i feel is critical to the success of a show and a character yeah uh and i agree that we are pushing in that direction and here's fingers crossed that the show doesn't fuck us again and go in the opposite direction <laughs> but i have a theory about that oh, that boy. we touched a little bit on last week we're going to bring it back to full uh, full rotation um, once we get into the deep dive here. But first, let's do a tweet time. Oh, yes. Let's tweet. Tweet, 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 tweet. Yeah, man. Keep, keep searching. Keep searching for that <laughs> ultimate transition. One of these days, you'll find it. The last episode of season eight. What was your worst or best birthday gift? Yeah. Uh, we asked that on Twitter. Which, yes. Uh, if you want to get and participate, you can find us at Grunt Work Pod. 
Um, we got uh, Farah this week. Yeah. Uh, we we might have did Farah last week too. I can't remember. Uh, well, I go out of order sometimes, so yeah. forgive me if I'm doing two in a row. But and, and I'm never paying attention to what we do on this show, so <laughs> I sure as shit can't help. It's funny. I don't pay attention to what's going on in Home Improvement. You don't pay attention to what's going on in Grunt Work. It's surprising but, that but, this works at all. Between the two of us, we are one podcaster. <laughs> I think that's the key. Um, best gift was, uh, she says, one of my brothers got me tickets to see Fuel, the alternative band from the early um 2000s Ooh. right before 9-11 happened Ooh. and uh when they opened for aerosmith wow uh i was super into them plus i wasn't expecting it at all i was in uh, cincinnati oh you guys Ooh. couldn't see the look i just gave turban <laughs> <laughs> another hey another city in ohio you know the cincinnati suburbs helped elect a democratic governor in kentucky recently so cincinnati gets a pass uh plus it was about a three-hour drive for us so wow that's a that's a lot of details i, I you know i think uh, you know that sounds like a, kind of an amazing experience in so many regards also just wrapped up in kind of the bow of, like, those last few days of innocence before 9-11 happened. Like, that, <laughs> yeah. that's just this ultimate yeah. sheen on top of everything else. It's you know, a real time capsule. I actually saw Fuel that same summer. Really? Uh, in uh, At the Capitol, right on, like, the Capitol steps of Lansing. Mm. Uh, it was a good show. They, I, liked, uh, I liked Fuel a lot. Wow. I liked Fuel. Uh, now I like Shimmer. I don't know that... I'm familiar with uh, the rest of their hemorrhage, I think, was good. Most of it has fallen out of my head. Yeah, I'm, uh, you know, yeah, I like, uh, I like ELO. <laughs> I, I, I'd never listened to Fuel, but I am aware of it being around at that time. Worst gift, my dad got me a bowling ball and shoes, uh, even though I already had a ball. I was uh, well into my 20s by this point and didn't go bowling a whole lot and still don't. I still prefer my old one because it's a couple of pounds lighter. Wow. That is a weird gift, like bowling stuff like i don't know if you're any... not actively into bowling yeah i agree how many people do you know i know you used to be actively into bowling how yeah. many people do you know now who are actively into bowling though I, you know that's impossible to say purely on the basis of being in los angeles mm. uh they don't appreciate bowling here <laughs> they appreciate the the socializing that yeah. happens around bowling oh but in they're fact, not in it for the love of the game i was exactly i was this close, uh, if you listeners are His out there, fingers are so close together, it's like, freaking me out. Oh, my God. Wow. Oh, wow, Landon, you were really so close. Oh, my God. Ugh, edging that. Um, don't. <laughs> don't make those noises on our podcast, Landon. <laughs> you your own podcast. You can make those noises if you want to. I was that close to joining a, a bowling league out yeah. here. Yeah. And this, the day that I went to investigate and sign up, uh, it was 9-11. The nearest bowling alley to me. Uh, the nearest bowling alley to me had um, renovated into mm. something called Bolero, uh, which is this like... It's by Ravel. Yeah, it's a night, classical. Night, nightclub sort of feel. Yeah. And uh, I ended up going there for my birthday, and the lanes extend in like into the seating area. What? Like, there's a place where you throw, but where you stand to like line up and then take your walk up there yeah that started where people were sitting in seats oh and like you can't actually have a game of bowling here this is purely just let's make enough seating area to squeeze as many patrons as possible and anyway so it's just like a nightclub where you occasionally hear the sound of pins getting knocked over <laughs> exactly and jock jams playing oh, always the jock jams <laughs> actually no nowadays it's more like the pussycat dolls or uh other ludicrous i don't know what it is ludicrous land and <laughs> the way people treat the way people treat bowling these back days. in my day we yeah. listened to 
Republica. <laughs> I don't know. How <laughs> uh, a real trip down memory lane on this tweet time. Seriously, we took more time we, on we, that we've than we've I meant to. Gone but... back in tweet time. <laughs> if you want to uh, know what our answers were to our best and worst uh, birthday gifts and experiences, head on over. <laughs> What's that? Give us money. Oh well. Kind of. Head over to uh, Patreon and tune in to uh, this week's episode of Gruntwork Nights. Yes. Also known as giving us money. Yeah, that's that's the new that's the new slang for <laughs> tuning into Gruntwork Nights is giving us money. Uh, that's patreon.com slash gruntworkpod. Yeah, so speaking of, thank you to our patrons who, who give us money and who yes. help us to keep the lights on and, and the, the patron firing. Our yes. Al Pals. Yes, our Al Pals. So big thanks to John with an H. Mm-hmm. To John without an H, yeah. to Tom with two M's, to Tara with the proper amount of T's and R's and A's, <laughs> and of course to the lovely Kirsty uh, for their contributions. Yeah, you know, I you, even though I, I gave you their names in by by verbalizing that one had an H and one didn't and one had two M's, uh, doesn't mean we have to identify them that way in every I, well, episode. What if I like it, Landon? Well, well what, hey, well, yeah, to each their own. Yeah, um, I, I, what, I, what I if want... they don't like it? Well, they can they can write, and we don't even know for sure if they didn't like having their last names attached. You kind of just assumed. I mean, which you're not supposed to bring that up. Look, I wanna I wanna let both John with an H and John without an H know when I am thanking them specifically. If I said thanks to John and John, they're not gonna know which one I'm talking about when, and then the sincerity is lost. You have to be over pronunciative. John, 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 and John, 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 John. The people, everyone named John listening to this is like freaky. Like it's like whenever you hear your name said on a podcast. <laughs> um, but thank you. Th- look, yes, point is, thank, thank you. you to you. Thank you to our Alpel overlords. Yes. Let's. Uh, why don't we we get into the main crux of this goddamn podcast? Yeah, let's just start swearing about it, man. <laughs> Fuck. Shit, right? Fucking hell. Fucking hell. We actually like this, this one. We, we shouldn't be just jaded and cynical because this you was a good episode. Bastard. We're backstage. A little we show are. called Tool Time. We are. Behind the scenes. Yes. Uh, where Tim is getting makeup applied to him, not only by the makeup artist, but also by the Grunt Creep. I thought the Grunt Creep was applying makeup to the Grunt Creep. Oh, was it? It was holding a handheld mirror. I was fucking around with the mode control at that point. I we, it. Wow, it really is true that you don't pay attention to the show we watch, <laughs> and I don't pay attention to the show we make. Uh, the, yeah, the Grunt Creep is getting, it, getting ready for its close-up, Mr. DeVille. Yeah. And uh, then... So I already forgot the name of who the new boss is. Bud. Bud. Bud Harper. So I wrote him in as Bossman. So so Bossman uh, uh-huh. Bossman comes in yeah. and he, he says, oh, I looked over the scripts. I really like what you guys are doing this week. And my main takeaway was, so there's scripts. There huh? is scripts. Okay. This wasn't, I wasn't even fishing for a theory here. Yeah. And they just delivered it uh, on the table. Yeah. So it's, I, I guess it's just a script that is immediately discarded the second they start, they start recording. <laughs> or it's mammoth style to the T. Oh, where they just, where, where they are, every, every single every digression has been scripted blocking, in. yep, exactly. I love the, the thought that Tim is that, that uh, like anal retentive about it and he stays up all night writing in these it's not real enough it's not authentic what would i say to al to insult his weight no i'm saying the whole theory is that al is part of oh, the writing process of the, okay of this yes thing. So, so i'm sorry i've got our theories mixed up at this point <laughs> uh I, I like i like this now let's just go in a different direction set that aside for a second and think what would a script to tool time look like is it just a treatment of you know, okay, our A block is going to be covering Gadget Corner, our B block is going to be covering Windows, and our C block is going to be covering Grunts. fucking pinup girls. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I think, um, I I really think... It's more this, like a treatment? I think that the script is kind of just, just Tim has just typed Grunts onto... 
onto a page. It's just such like action descriptions. So, so Bud is kind of like Rocket in that he can understand Groot. Um, Bud can understand Tim through his grunts. N- not, not, no, Landon, not at all. <laughs> Bud is like Han Solo, and then he can understand Chewbacca. Oh, okay. Completely different thing. Completely different. Yeah, yeah. Um, Bud loves the scripts, but has made a, a little tiny change to Al because he's still concerned about uh, uh, appealing to younger people. Yeah, he wants to. He wants to hook all those Gen Xers into watching the show. The, the Gen X crowd. Yeah, I have a feeling Bud does not know what the Gen Xers like. It, it, oh yeah, no. If he if he knew what the Gen Xers liked, Al would be like. I don't know, playing some Nirvana or something like <laughs> they that. Would, yeah, they would certainly have some sort of rock band off to the side playing some sort of bastardized version of, yeah. uh, you know, alt-rock as the intro theme. And uh, Hey, welcome to Tool Time or whatever. <laughs> Tim would have, yeah, bangs. Yeah. <laughs> um, d- today we're Long going here. to show you how to, uh, how to fix your... I don't even know. <laughs> how to make a latte. Yeah, exactly. Um, so... Yeah, but so the boss is still not sure about Al. He, yep. he reiterates about how, oh, you're in these new test markets, and if you don't do do well, Al is going to get axed. And then he shows that he has changed Al's wardrobe. He's got him wearing a pink shirt. Yep, Al and, comes out. Uh, yeah, he's like pink a pink shirt, shirt vest, and then like his hair is tied back in an odd way. It's it's uh it's very like greased back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, not at all the feathered uh, flannel look that we know and love. No. Um, also, though, not a very Gen X look. He no, kind of looked like he was just missing Hattie. Yeah. I, <laughs> if he was wearing the hat, it would be per- like I think that would complete the look, and he'd be and okay. I, and I would say that probably you're gonna rope in more. Southwestern user uh, viewers than you are Gen Xers. So I, I would say so. Go with that market instead. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But Al is very uncomfortable with this. It looks like <laughs> like every mo- every motion, every movement yeah. is like tortured and pain. He is not okay. Well, and further evidence, Bud goes. Uh, I wonder how he'd look in a buzz cut. Yeah. As if that's a Gen X thing. That's certainly not a Gen X thing. I don't know. I think that this show is just sort of making up what Gen X things were at that <laughs> point. They 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 knew about as well as society today knows what young people are into. <laughs> they just went to the comic book store and picked up a issue of Generation X. And they're like, well, uh, well, you can't give them uh, mutant powers. We can't uh, have L shooting flames out of his mouth. Uh, we can shrink him down to four inches tall, but we can't have Al shooting flames out of his mouth. That would not make any sense. So, the episode of Tool Time begins, yes. and Heidi gives her uh, introduction. Yes, and uh, Tim the Tool Man Taylor and Al come out. Al, uh-huh. in, uh, Tim introduces Al as Al the Generation Extra Large Man Borland. Oh, God. Now, he does make another comment about his weight later in this episode, and I'm going to save my comment for his comment later. Yeah, okay. It's still not cool, but, you know, he's doing almost everything else right. But Al is so... This is this is my favorite part of the cold open is right here. Yeah. Al is so put off and uncomfortable by not wearing flannel. <laughs> it's it's like it's like Superman with kryptonite by him, like he doesn't know yeah. what to do. He tries to do the tool man salute and he just like fucks it up. He like can't he can't do it. He like brings the two fingers like halfway up to his head and like touches it and just like looks away. Yeah. He he can't he can't salute. Now do you think that's a, a psychological thing, or do you think there's literally less give in the polyester shirt versus his flannel I, I'm that pretty, he couldn't make his arm uh, as flexible? I think that's probably the thing. He's just not used to wearing materials that are not flannel. <laughs> that that is his big tr- yeah, trouble yeah. in in little tool time. <laughs> now before we go too much further. 
Uh, I'm gonna. I'm preloading this episode with theories. Yeah. Okay. We're going into a theory. Going back to Heidi. Okay. Doing the opening, and you know why? Why? Because right behind her. No. Is Landon the calendar? I'm gonna. Now, Landon, I'm gonna. You're gonna like this bottle one. from under the you're, sink. <laughs> You've been a bad dog. You're gonna like this one. I don't think I will. You're. This might turn your whole perspective on calendars around entirely. It is she. Is she sitting at a bar in Boston with a pint full of beer talking to George no, Wendt? No, it explains away last week's episode. Oh, okay. All right. All right. Now what you're saying is interesting. Okay. So we are on the fourth episode here. Yeah. Oh, aren't we just? <clears throat> I had mentioned that I had, uh, I think last week, I had mentioned that I abstained from mentioning the calendars, mm-hmm. even though they had put a new one on the stage, yet... Last week, they had an old calendar up, the one with the masquerade. And I posited last week that perhaps uh, the reason it was so uh, painful for us, so season three is that maybe they had plucked things from the past and cobbled together an episode. Oh, I see. Now, I'm not suggesting that they cobbled it together from, you know, bits and pieces of old episodes, but the new calendar is back. From last week, which was the old one. So, I'm suggesting that there might be credence to this idea that they used something from an older episode to cobble together last week's awful, awful, uh, awfulness. So they you so you're saying that they because they used an old prop, they used. I'm saying that it, this wasn't recorded at the same time as the season. Oh, I see. I see. Because okay. the calendar changes and we know how, you know, uh, uh, consistent they are with their set design. Yes. That they wouldn't, Well, you know this. They wouldn't go from the new calendar back to the old one and then back to the new one within the regard of uh, a week or two. Yeah. So the fact that it's the same month and last week was not the same month, I'm just suggesting calendars are showing there is some inconsistency and perhaps a conspiracy here. Yeah. <sighs> I feel like at some point in the show, you need to just take all this energy and put it into calling Art Bell and explaining to him about it. Because there comes a point when I feel like the amount of effort you put into it is wasted on on my ears. But I, you know what, I, I you are clearly passionate about this, Landon, and I don't want to discourage you. I, di- I just want to convey that I love you. Okay. But, I'm just trying to give us an out for why last week was so awful. No, okay. Well, look, and I'll take that. I'll, I'll certainly, I'll, I'll certainly take any excuse for for why last week didn't work. It was okay. outdated. And what are calendars good for if not showing us what day the thing is from? <laughs> so that's how we know. Okay, we will uh, abstain from any more calendar talk this episode. Let's go back to you lied to me about that before, though. <laughs> uh, so they're trying to install. They're they're going to show how to install a piece of glass in a in a wall. Yeah. you know, to make a window. Tim uh, goes over and he like he picks up this piece of glass. There's like two suction cups holding it on, and he yep. puts it in place into the window frame. Alan's gonna go get the point driver that he needs to put it in place, yep. and then Al just stands there's like uh, I I don't I don't have my point driver, <laughs> and so he just has to run backstage to get it. And Tim's like Al, what's what's wrong? Like why? How do you forget that? And he goes, I'm sorry, Tim. I'm just a little flummoxed without my flannel, <laughs> flannel, flannel. I'm a little flummoxed without him having flannel. Yeah, apparently. Uh, so he runs out, and Tim is just stuck there holding up this plate glass window with these two suction cups. 
And uh, I think you laughed harder at Tim than you have this entire series so far. I, I think I did. He, do you, I mean, who wants no, to please, say you, it? you, you own it. He, he, like, he makes a couple jokes. He's like giving shout outs to like the new media markets who have just tuned in, and this is the first taste they're getting of Tool Time. And he goes, "Hurry up, Al! I'm starting to feel like Garfield here." And then he like <laughs> like a Garfield window cling. And yeah, I was, I was. It was a good, it was a good call out. It was a good call out. And then I, part of my laughter was like, "Oh my God, this is so surprising." <laughs> That, that Tim made a joke that I really liked. And then some of my laughter was like how much joy I was taking. I'm like, oh, look at me just laughing at the main character on a sitcom the way it's supposed to work. Uh, it was funny. It was really a funny bit. Yeah. But then Al comes back in. He's got the... The, uh, the point well, driver. The point driver, but he doesn't got the points. Yep. He, he turns around to go grab the points. Tim goes to grab the points from somewhere else. The glass falls out of the thing and shatters. And Bud shakes his head. Oh, boy. It's not going well in those new markets. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, not only does he shake his head, he slides out of frame yep. as we go to the theme song. Yes, we do. Now, Land. listen, Truman. Yes. Uh, I... I mentioned last week I was tired. Yeah. I was very tired. I made yeah. a lot of mistakes last oh, week. Oh, yeah. You were, you, were, you were a tired boy. <laughs> I also made a mistake about the theme song. Landon, come on, dude. They do not have the same score. Well, okay. It's also kind of on me for not noticing that and calling you out. What I mistook was the high score at the bottom, not the player one, player two at the top of the screen. So this is just a correction and omission. It's like you've never played a video game before. <laughs> Uh, it's like you've never been trapped in a video game before, jumping I... <laughs> over lawnmowers. Uh, it's true. I haven't. And that's all there is to say about that, I Goodbye, guess. Goodbye, folks. Yeah. Da -da 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 -da. Kitchen. Yes. So Jill is on her way to the library. Yep. The boys are eating some breakfast. Jill's looking good. Mm -hmm. Just throwing it out there. Okay. I don't need to qualify that. I can, I'm can. i just allowed to comment. Jill is looking fine. Uh, Tim and the boys are, yeah, they're all just eating breakfast. She asks them what they're going to do while she's at the library. The boys all say nothing. Yeah. It's like, Randy, nothing. Mark, nothing. Brad, nothing. And then Tim goes, I'm supervising. <laughs> and she leaves. Yeah. And then... The, and then the boys all jump up and spring into action, and I'm like, and Tim is doing, and I'm like, oh god, what fucking monster truck rally are they going to now? And then Tim, Tim says, guys, hurry up, we gotta get this place clean so we can get ready for your mom's surprise party. And I was like, cleaning and a surprise party? Yeah. What is this? Look at that. Tim being a good boy. Yeah, I know. I like it. <laughs> um, and he goes on to explain that uh, that they're that they're you know throwing this. Well, I mean, the boys already know and, yeah. as they're talking about like. They're throwing this big 39th birthday party for Jill two well, weeks yeah, before her birthday. And Tim is posing it as, I'm so glad I had this idea to have her birthday party two weeks before her 39th birthday. And Randy starts the question, why didn't you have it on her 40th birthday? And Tim starts to mansplain uh, women in a yeah, funny way. In a funny way. Like he, he says, like, you know, usually you don't, you know, a woman doesn't really want to celebrate her 40th birthday. Turning 40 makes them feel like they're old now. And that puts them in a bad mood for a pretty long time. And Randy says, how long? And Tim goes... Nah, usually the rest of their life, because <laughs> at that point their cheeks start to droop and their and their their bones start to get brittle, and eventually their whole face just caves in. <laughs> which you know, which we can you know we can laugh at because it all comes around in a like yeah. it wasn't just Tim saying this for the sake of yeah, it's true, but it was like it serves a point of a bigger joke. Well, he kind of acknowledges how little he knows about women by making up something so absurd, and that was funny. Yeah, and also it's in it's and also he's saying this in service of trying to do a sweet thing for yes, his wife, exactly. and also trying and being cognizant of women are conscious about their well, really everyone's conscious about their age, but women in particular are conscious about their age, and that's why we're being sensitive to that and doing yes. this party for a different. Anyway, um. <laughs> 
Also, but like he's also in the process of planning this to say, like, God, I'm glad I had the idea to do it two weeks early. And Randy's like, no, that was my idea. And he says, well, I'm, I'm glad I had the idea to have all of the guests wait over at Wilson's until she's gone. And Mark goes, well, that was my idea. And he says, well, I'm glad I thought to have everybody bring their own kind of food. And, and Brad says, uh, that's my idea. Truman. Yeah. Truman. Did I get them wrong? Do you have any idea what this means? What? You just flawlessly got all three boys names correct in the right order am, am i am i free from the podcast now can i leave do we, <laughs> you, do we have to stop making this you uh are now uh eligible for rapture oh and... <laughs> this is great this is like oh it's like the end of the truman show i'm i hate to make that reference but i feel like i've earned it at this point i just i'm i'm freed you have boated through the wall of, yeah uh, hey get your good, confines good afternoon good evening and good night um <laughs> But so Tim Tim tries to take credit for every aspect of planning <laughs> yeah. the party and and cannot. But um, yeah, Jill comes back in. Uh, she had forgotten her uh, psychology book, and um, and the boys like quickly hide the cleaning yeah. that they're doing. But she walks in right when Tim is uh, 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 boasting to Randy that he's so excited that he even got her old coworker. Uh, uh, it's Julie uh, Julie Zwicky Zwicky. Yeah. Um, to to attend um, yes from uh her old co-worker from the detroit uh inside detroit magazine yeah and then jill says oh like oh why are you talking about julie zwicky i hated her like turns out she badmouthed me all the time after i left if i ever see her again i'm gonna wrap my <laughs> hands around her neck and squeeze till her eyes pop out of her head and this is such a weird um through line for the episode i mean it, it plays not at all into anything it's just kind of this funny little joke that pops up two or three times which is great yeah which is just, for a show that so often picks a thing up examines it it could be interesting then casts it aside to have the show take a joke <laughs> yeah it, like this show runs with every joke in this episode it's amazing <laughs> now i'm gonna say uh we have a bit of a controversy with her Uh-oh. uh she appears at the end of the episode spoiler alert uh, she is not listed in the the cast list at all, uh, and I means she's a ghost. I've looked. Oh God! Yeah, she died because Jill choked her. <laughs> Tim gave her that bad of directions. Yeah. Um. So I can't do a character actor corner on her. I don't oh, know no. who she is. I don't know where she comes from. I don't know where she's been. I don't know where she's going. Wow. That's. I mean. I mean, you can probably tell where she was going. I mean, if, well, except we don't know her name, so I guess we don't. I don't, know. I don't know. Was this the beginning of her career? Was this the end of her career? Was it the middle of her career? Is she in witness protection? <laughs> maybe, maybe. Yeah. Uh, well, that's that's you know, call up the unsolved mysteries gang. We've we've <laughs> solved the mystery of the of the comedy store. We go to the backyard. Yes, we do. Where We're, Jill is uh, looking through an old photo album while yeah. Tim is uh, sneaking, sneaking and snaking uh, his way on Wilson's side of the fence. Yeah, he's got he's got a whole bunch of, of helium balloons that he's trying to hide in Wilson's place. But then Jill goes, oh, hey, Wilson. And Tim has to, like, duck and try and hide the balloons. He's like, oh, it's actually me. I'm here just checking. To see. Wilson's not home. He called me at work to ask me if I could come see if his doors are locked or something like that yeah and so then shortly thereafter wilson comes in the backyard and tim like motions for him and he like dives down to the ground he he hit the ground like an old military man yeah yeah or like like a stunt man playing wilson because we don't see his face <laughs> wilson can yeah. do all the all the craziest stunts but i mean i think that holds true to what we've seen of wilson thus far that there is some sort of military in his past. Yeah, oh, definitely, definitely. I can't quite pinpoint what yet. I mean, for a guy who felt so at home living in the jungle for so long, it's got to be a Vietnam time. I mean, he was yeah. either, he was either he was either Marlon Brando in Apocalypse Now, or he was <laughs> or he was Martin Sheen. I don't know for how traveled he is. I want to say he was probably special ops. Yeah, but I mean, but like 
like Marlon Brando's character was special ops too. He yeah, gave, but he Marlon gave Brando committed the to the Viet Cong. Yeah, I, true, true. <laughs> yes, I think Wilson is more like uh, kind of a James Bond, where he dove into one country, integrated into the culture by having sex with all the women there. <laughs> oh my God, are we? Gene pool? We literally are all Wilson's children. Yeah, I, yeah. That's <laughs> it, either either figuratively or literally. Yes, he is the he is mitochondrial Adam. We share. We all share DNA with Wilson. Wilson is Doctor Manhattan. Um, mm. uh, what else do we got for this Wilson scene? Um, uh, so the, one other thing that I noticed as t- like Tim is talking to Jill. Jill is like, oh, I've, you know, oh, I've been back. I got back from the library a little while ago. I'm just looking through this old photo album, and she's reminiscing about. You know, oh, these the old piano. family photos yep. and this old piano that they had that she used to love playing. But then when her dad got transferred to a base in Europe, he gave the piano away to a cousin. Yep. Talking about how much she misses this thing. Wilson is back there. At one point, she's musing about how much she misses things from the past. And Wilson goes, mm, mm, mm. And then she, like, looks to Tim and Tim goes, mm, 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 which is funny. <laughs> yeah, it was a good cover-up. Uh, Tim is trying to hold all these balloons down underneath the fence line. He's also accidentally let go of another bunch of balloons. Up in the uh, telephone wires. Yeah, and he's halfway climbing up this telephone pole that occasionally is in Wilson's backyard. (laughs) This is one of the special episodes where the telephone pole is there. (laughs) Um, Take a shot if you're uh, playing a drinking game. It's a very slow drinking game. You basically take one shot every couple months yes uh, it's a, it's a re- the most responsible drinking game it's hardly <laughs> even a game um so but so you know tim is trying to have this conversation with jill and keep her from noticing the balloons which she does not and uh yeah and then um then tim on his way into oh jill goes inside and then tim tries to hand off the balloons to wilson but wilson misses them and the balloons go floating up into the sky now this is a fun little reversal of what happens in the cold open where Tim thinks that Al is holding onto the glass <laughs> and the catch. glass falls down yeah. and here the balloons go up. Up is the opposite of down. Synergy. Oh, wow. Um, so we then cut to Inside Wilson's house. Uh, we get a balloon popping transition. Oh, yes. Into Inside Wilson's. And I was a little taken, I was surprised by that. There are so many people in there that it kind of looks like just a normal house. They're blocking all the funky props and it just looks like people. Uh, yeah, you're right. Um, and uh, we get a who's who of uh, our guest stars from the past here. Yeah, they just all, it's just like a reunion show. Now, okay, very first thing that happens in this scene, Al is hungry. Yes. And he is uh, picking at something on the table and Tim says, stop, stop doing that. Don't eat. And yeah. this begins a recurring joke, which... Actually, it does get funnier. It's, as it goes it's a pretty, it's a pretty yeah. good recurring joke. It but starts off on a bad note. It starts with a fat joke. You can, you know, uh, stand to lose a few pounds. Yeah, and he like pokes at Wilson uh, Al's stomach. Yeah, here's the thing. Now we posited what a week or two weeks ago that they're the same size. Yeah, this week. Al is svelte. He looks thinner than Tim does. Yes. Tim in this like in this polo shirt he's wearing seems to have a gut, whereas Al is flat. Like, yes, I. It's it almost at the. It's becoming a point where if the show continued on this trajectory, the joke would be Tim's clear insecurity about his own body that he's reflecting towards Al. <laughs> well, I think you could make that that case already. But... I mean, it's always insecurity. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, but there, there's just no, um, there's no logic to it anymore. No, no, no. But I mean, but these, this is just a drop of like. I would say it's a drop in the ocean, except the rest of this episode is really Tim is being a good guy. So yes. It's like yeah, yeah. one drop of piss in an ocean that is otherwise <laughs> pure, clean salt water and and happy, frolicking whales. Wow. we That that was a 
vivid description. Marty and Nancy <laughs> arrive <laughs> with a lobster dip. Yes, well, t- Tim is... Okay, by the way, I should point out, typically note-taking for this show is pretty easy. I can just kind of gloss over it because the plot points do not come very quickly. There's not a lot going on. This episode was dense yes. af. It was like try- it was like when we watched the Frasier episodes for the bonus content and we're trying to take notes on that and there's just, like things are... Yeah. Tur- there are so many individual little plot points and bits in- going back and forth. And this this episode was like that. So there's so much stuff happening with... You know, we're setting up we're setting up the fact that Al is hungry yeah. all the time because he wasn't able to wear flannel earlier in the day, and that's upset his system, and now he needs to eat a lot. <laughs> He's so thrown off, he needs to eat. Yep. Uh, Tim is upset because everyone has bought side dishes, but no one has brought uh, a main course. Yep. So there's not enough food. Um, also like, because they've lost all the balloons earlier, he sent someone out to get balloons and they've come back with balloons, but you know, I went to every place in town. I got these balloons. Well, they say 40th birthday, not 39th birthday on them. We have to take them back. And that was, uh, uh, Sherry, uh, Hersey playing Eileen, uh, bringing in the balloons. Yeah. So that's another character that we have. So, so far we have Al, we have Eileen, we have Marty, we have Nancy. Marty. (laughs) Uh, then we cut to across the party, Carrie. Yes. Tootie Roach. Yeah. Is back in. Yeah. Uh, Richard Carn's wife. Yeah. Playing Carrie, uh, uh, Jill's sister. Yeah, yeah. So she she's just flown in. She's come straight from the airport. Tim, okay, so Marty has brought lobster dip, uh, but Jill can't eat lobster. She'll break out in a rash. So Tim tells everybody to take all, or it's like lobster salad or lobster. <laughs> something. So he tells okay, I love the I love the thought process behind this. So it's like, everybody just just take take all the lobster out. Just, and so everyone's in there picking through it with their fingers, eating the gross. lobster out of it. You see and I agree, gross, but you also said gross in the moment as it was happening. This is how viscerally it affected you. <laughs> yes. And then, but but then, yeah, Carrie comes in, and, and Tim's saying, well, you didn't bring anything? She says, I just came right from the airport. All I have is a little bag of peanuts they gave me on the plane. He says, that's as good. We'll put it in the salad to replace the lobster. It's like an Asian thing. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, then Benny arrives. Yeah, and Tim had not invited Benny. Yeah, uh, good move, Tim. Yeah. One but, of your best. Yeah, but Benny just shows up. Yeah, I, I still, I don't like Benny. Yeah, I no, still don't like no, him. No, Benny's no good. Ben, <laughs> Benny, we'll, always, we'll always have Benny, even when Tim is being good. We'll always have him. I don't want him. Uh, uh, Heidi's there. Heidi, yes, Heidi's on. Uh, Heidi's in the mix, and then we get a like. Is it, we get a great moment that, that oh, happens? Yes. yes, this is a fantastic. Mark comes in. Yes, <laughs> and well, I think this and this is in relation. I think to the balloons, the, like the fortieth birthday yep. balloons. You need to get thirty ninth birthday balloons. Uh, Mark says, "Oh, you know, we aren't celebrating Mom's fortieth uh, birthday, and uh, uh, I, I'm." The worst person, you know, we need to call in script man. Oh, I'm not well, the person I mean, to come in for details like this. I mean, wait, wait, who, who's that? I'm just gonna step outside the room for a moment and then just like, hello, citizen. Whoa, <laughs> Truman, I don't, you, you and Truman are never here at the same time. Yes, it's weird how that happens. Also, I've heard that we sound very similar. <laughs> the, uh, yes. Um, what does Mark? Uh, what does Mark say here? Uh, the slowly transitioning back out of this bit. Uh, <laughs> uh, what? So what Mark says is, um, we're not celebrating Mom's fortieth birthday. Listen, um, we're not earning our paycheck this week. <laughs> you know, you know, uh, I, did people actually believe that Script Man was someone different? Uh, but the, I'm just saying, trying to remember what the fuck Mark said here. No, okay, Mark. Uh, the, Mark is prompted to this by the discussion over. No, they're not. It's it's forty. You got forty birthday balloons. It's her thirty ninth yep. birthday. 
uh, whichever whoever he is speaking to, this is Eileen, I think. Yeah. I saying like, oh, well, I thought like I thought you did the big party for her fortieth birthday. Why aren't we just doing this for her fortieth birthday? Oh, and yes, then Mark yes, yes. turns around and pipes up. Oh, we're not doing that. Dad, explain to me how how forty is when a woman's face caves in, <laughs> and then all like like Heidi and Eileen and and um and Carrie, like every woman in the room is standing around yeah. Tim, and they all just turn into like Fox Force Five. <laughs> And just, yeah, falls down on Tim here, and and like my and Tim is looking so like as Mark is explaining this, yeah, their their faces get all droopy, and then they eventually cave in, and Tim is just like trying to cut him off, and and then the women are saying like, oh Tim, why don't you explain to me more since you know so much about women, and Tim Tim then says. Like, because Mark's line has been, Dad told me about how this happened. And <laughs> women are looking at Tim, and Tim says, Yeah, the funny thing is, this boy has two dads, and it was his other dad that told him that. <laughs> and then luckily, uh, Benny jumps in and says, You know, I actually thought that women's faces fell in at 30. Yeah. And then Fox Force 5 uh, descends on him. One of them even making claws <laughs> with her hands. Um, so that's, that's a great bit. And then we're, we're back at the house that yes, Tim we go to the, the living room where Brad is game boying. Yes. By the way, let's just comment on the amount of the, the timeline for this episode, like every episode makes no sense. The idea that like in the morning they're getting ready. Jill has been at the library for a few hours, come back yeah. and that, wh- whatever with that, but also that just all the guests have shown up and are just full on chilling at Wilson's house for presumably hours. Yes. We're just waiting and gathering there. This does feel a little bit like an exterminating angel situation where there are party <laughs> guests who cannot leave. Yes. For a very long extended period of time. Yes. Uh, because it starts at Wilson's, which I presume goes hours, yeah. and then moves to the Taylor home, where it extends for another couple of hours. I mean, it's like, it's how many... I've not been to many parties where there is a pre-party staging area where, like, the first <laughs> half of the party happens. You literally just had that at your birthday party. I guess I did. At a bar, and well, then we moved yeah. to your apartment. But the thing, the difference is that everyone at this, everyone met at the bar and then continued to the second location, whereas yeah, in our, okay. or, well, it met at Wilson's and continued to the second location, whereas at mine, a lot of people showed up at the bar and then left, and then we were like, let's go back to the place. <laughs> anyway, that was a recap of my birthday party a week ago. Who gives a shit? Don't worry, it's not my birthday yet. We did it more than two weeks in advance. It's a personal surprise to myself. Yeah, and I gotta say, your face is starting to cave in. I, that's, I'm... So I'm glad we did it when we did. I know, I know. There will not be, there will not be much face here very longer (laughs) uh but so tim is back at home now phone rings it's julie's wiki the the jill's arch nemesis (laughs) and tim picks up the phone it's like oh you're at the airport are coming in okay yeah no directions to the house sure and he proceeds to give her very intricate directions that that are just very clearly wrong and uh he hangs up the phone and brad says something like dad i think you're gonna send her to canada with with those directions and tim goes yeah that's the idea (laughs) uh yeah and you know it's funny that's the sort of thing that in another episode would have bothered me on some minor level yes i agree i think it works here because like it was one thing if it was going to benefit tim for her to not show up but that it it, because he's trying to make a perfect day for his wife yes it's like it's a it's a selfless action so suddenly i don't care about it be like yeah it it doesn't matter like it's when tim is doing it for himself and the show is wanting us to want him to succeed yeah that's not good uh jill burston yes uh just like ellen burston kramer (laughs) uh she is excited because she's found her piano yes and she's driving down to dayton ohio (laughs) to 
Dayton or, you know, any anywhere in the in the vast, you know, Ohio is a state of mind. Ohio's a feeling. Oh, uh, she's going down to Toledo to uh, find her piano. Her cousin has it. Her yes. dad apparently sold it to uh, her cousin uh, yeah. when they, they moved. Yeah. And he has it, and she's going to go get it. Yeah. And she'll be back in f- three to four hours. Yeah, which and, and she comes in and says this right after Tim's saying, like, okay, I'm going to take... I'm going to take Jill to the art show, and after half an hour, I'm going to fake a stomach ache so we come home, and then everyone surprises her. Yep. But then, oops, like, you know, hey, you know, you want to make God laugh? Have a plan. And, you know, I recognize your timeline issue here because what what would the purpose of that be? Go, what, go to an art show for half an hour? Yeah. Everyone's already here. Yeah, I know. I mean, like, <laughs> you just need to get her out of the house long enough for everyone to go from the first staging area into the second well, one. We'll just have it at Wilson's. Yeah, like, like, yeah, hey, honey, let's go over to Wilson's for a sec. Or, uh, or, or I don't know, she was going to be at the library for a couple hours. You could just had everyone come to the house then. Yeah. A lot of different options. Seriously, the, while she was gone, when she comes back here, she could have come back to the surprise party. Uh, I'm, I'm questioning his planning. I think he's getting a little too overblown. He's overcompensating. Yes. For all of the shittiness he's done in the past. He's trying too hard now. Yeah. That's where we are. Um, we get another balloon transition. Yeah. To the party, and this time it is in the Taylor's house. Yes. Yeah, everyone is there, and they're all just waiting. Tim isn't letting anyone eat anything. He's not letting anyone drink anything. Al is still trying to pick at stuff. Yeah, he, he says something like, uh, oh, man, I, I don't know. Like, okay, I don't know. I can't remember this. We're going to forget the recurring joke here, yeah. but every, he's going to overhear someone say something that rhymes with a food, and so he's going to try and pick up the or food. Like, there's a bit where someone is taking a picture of someone and says, okay, say cheese, and Al goes, I, we, we can eat the cheese? Or it's like, <laughs> I'm, I'm feeling kind of crabby right now. We can eat the crab? Um... But yeah, everyone is there. So, and I just to criticize the party planning. I've seen this bit done on a lot of shows where it's like, oh, they're trying to have a party, but the person they're waiting for isn't there, and so yeah. everyone is just standing around, and no one's allowed to eat any food or drink anything. I'm just gonna say for the record, if it were me in that situation, I would absolutely let people get liquored up because you don't want to walk <laughs> it when the guest of honor arrives. You don't want like a bunch of sober, hungry, angry people. That's never any good. Yeah, no, you're right. Um, but. And and as evidenced by Al, who is displaying very strong symptoms of hanger. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, he's 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 scout. You know, sc- scrounging, scouring, <laughs> and scrounging all over the the house looking for food. Also, Tim at one point, uh, you know, he's trying to just keep keep everybody there and keep yeah. control of everything. At one point, he runs into Marie. Marie. Oh my God, we haven't seen Marie in like a season. I feel like. And at the beginning of season four, I feel like it was the last time I saw her. And I, I would agree. And I think that is that the same actress who played oh, yeah. Marie? Yeah, that's the same actress. She lost a bunch of weight, I she think. Did. Yeah. And, you know, the reason for that being she confirms one of our theories from last season. Oh, that that, that she and Joe are not... Uh, that they have split. And that Joe has actually left her for a younger woman at the meat company. Yes, yeah, he left her for a 25-year-old employee at the meatpacking plant. I'm just trying to think of, like, all the sexy 25-year-old women working at meatpacking <laughs> plants, but I guess if you're... You never know. Yeah, and I mean, if you're a guy like Joe, you're probably into that freaky stuff, too. Yeah, you can you can be a 25-year-old working in many industries, and, uh... What? Oh, what? I wouldn't read anything into this, but the way that you're saying it, the way you're making your words sound, is is making me suspicious. Uh, suspicious of what? I don't know. Like you can be like, what are you trying to say about people who work in meatpacking plants? Uh, my, nothing. My, I'm my, just saying the 25 year olds can work there. 26 year olds can work there. 27 year olds can work there. How far is this going to go? Men can work there. 39 year olds can, can work, work there. there. Others can work there. Okay. The LGBT 
community can work there? I yeah, you know, I'm okay. So lots of people can pack meat. All right, we're we're this is what we're learning. <laughs> You're also presuming that she is working as a meat packer. She's mm. just working at the meat par- packing plant. Yeah, she could be working in admin. Ah. She could be working in advertising. She could be working in uh, inventory. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> Human resources. Let's just talk about all the different <laughs> aspects of running a company in, in in this day and age, or in that day and age. Uh, what if she was his boss? Well, I mean, I'm pretty sure he ran the plant. Oh no, he was just the sales manager. He was just a salesman, man. Yeah. What, do you think Joe has gone supernova into his own timeline where he starts as a meat salesman and works his way into having his own cable access TV show about meat packing? I would actually, <laughs> I would watch Meat Time. That would be a really good, because that's a, that's a segue into Cooking with Irma. That's, yes. Uh, oh, yeah. man. That's, yeah. Like this week, the, the meat man salute <laughs> to sausage. I am going to pitch that to Richard Picardo on uh, Twitter to see how he feels about that. I, I think, hey, remember that, that one episode of Home Improvement you did? <laughs> what if a spinoff? Um, but, it, well, you know, but the, seeing this, I mean, so she, uh, Marie, Marie starts talking about this and bursts into tears and starts hugging Tim. And Tim, in turn, introduces her to Wilson to help her out. I'm thinking, you've lived in this neighborhood for how many years you don't know Wilson? How do you? Well, he doesn't introduce her to Wilson. He just kind of. Gives oh, him, he just okay. kind of shirks the responsibility yeah, to him. Yeah, pushes her off. There wasn't like a formal Wilson. introduction. There. Oh, okay, okay. So she's met Wilson before. I, I have to imagine. I mean, they've done Halloween shenanigans together. Oh, you're right. Of course. Okay, then I I was reading that wrong. I apologize. That one is on me. <laughs> I will uh, accept your apology on Marie's behalf. Uh, but so Marie goes, you know, goes off sobbing into Wilson's shoulder, and um, I found myself thinking: A, thank God she has a therapist. B, thank God she has Wilson. <laughs> you know, I think you need a double yeah. scoop of therapy when your husband leaves you for a uh, meat packing uh, meat packing madam. <laughs> um, and then we get a transition here. I couldn't quite figure out. It looks like Tim becomes a roller coaster. I mean, he doesn't transmorph into a roller coaster cart, but he becomes just like a solid object. And then you hear the ching, 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 ching. Yeah, he just rolls out of the screen. It's like he's like on a little handcart dolly yeah, or something. Yeah, yeah. I couldn't quite figure out what that had anything to do with anything. I, You know, I feel like they're... I, it's weird. They're, they really leaned into the transitions. Transitions. Transitions where different bits of the next scene fly in, or yep. like people get carted out, and less, say, a gigantic pink lady going down a slip and slide, or yeah. a car crashing into the screen. Yeah, fair. Yeah. Um, we cut to Toledo, Ohio. Oh, yes. Where... Bright lights, big city, a garage that looks all like the garage where Jill took the car after the beam got dropped on it. <laughs> uh, and she is at her cousin Henry's place, and this is going to take us to our character actor corner. Oh, boy. Uh, now, I think you're going to be excited about this guy. I, You know, I was looking at him thinking, like, I probably know this guy. He's really good. He is a Pulitzer Prize winning stage uh, writer. Wow. Is that, what's the word I'm looking for? Stage we, playist? We, they like to call call him writer, or playwright, maybe. Playwright is yeah. the word I was looking for. Uh, Tracy Letts. Tracy Letts, that name is, yeah. You probably know him best, most recently at least, from Lady Bird, where he played the father. Whoa. <laughs> Uh, and he's also Whoa. been in uh, The Big Short, The Post. Uh, he won the Pulitzer uh, Prize for his, um, oh, God, I should, uh, I can't remember if he won it for Killer Joe, which they turned into a movie with Casey Affleck, or if he won it for August Osage County. Uh, um, he wrote August Osage County. Yeah. 
Whoa, I didn't know that. What's he doing on this show? <laughs> Even, albeit probably it, it, the he best the episode of the show. Yeah. Wow. Uh, now, here's the thing. This was one of his very first television or film credits. Hot diggity damn. Uh, he was on two shows, one called, or a movie called Paramedics, and uh, did the voice of uh, Sean on Straight Talk, mm. um, which was a, a Dolly Parton, James Woods radio show movie. Okay. Uh, anyway. He was on U.S. Marshals, Seinfeld, Ooh. Uh, Judging Amy, The Drew Carey Show. Oh, all right, all right. The District, um, he's clearly still acting today. Yeah. Uh, most recently in Ford versus, I'm sorry, Ford v. Ferrari. I uh, didn't realize they dropped the S from that versus. Now I have less interest in seeing Ford v. Ferrari. <laughs> How much interest did you have it in the first place? When you have a versus movie, that S counts for fifty percent of my interest. <laughs> so you saw Ballistic X versus Sever. <laughs> you saw. Uh, I mean, you, so you've seen. You've you've seen. Uh, oh, I guess Angry Birds isn't doesn't have a versus in it. Yes, uh, right. Uh, Plants versus Zombies is your favorite game. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, uh, and he's also uh, in the upcoming Little Women. Also, the Greta Gerwig. Oh wow! Uh, he's part. He's part so of Gerwig Land. Yep. Yeah. But uh, but we were but you you were actually sitting there like I'm gonna go see Ford versus Ferrari like you're I'm just I thought you had to be a dad in the suburbs to well, be interested in that when movie. I when the thought entered my head I mean I like Christian Bale and Matt Damon when he's good I like him a lot yeah otherwise it's pretty mediocre but it's the perfect let's go see this. Uh, when I'm visiting my parents' movie, that is the perfect to see with your parents' movie. Yeah. You know, there is no nothing is going to surprise you there. <laughs> just a just a story about one scrappy corporation taking on another scrappy corporation and winning. Exactly. Now, the question is: Was he on the TV show created by Michael Crichton, titled Emergency Room? Uh, I thought the show was called Jurassic Park. Oh, my bad. Uh, he was not on the show created by Michael Crichton called uh the uh called oh for fuck's sake what was the name of it congo <laughs> i was trying to remember the other one the andromeda strain fuck i gotta go yeah uh westworld westworld he was not on any of those things good so you have uh i don't know does that add to your score i don't i mean know. I, it means that i was right it also means that i was wrong about trying to remember the name of the andromeda strain <laughs> off the off the dome <laughs> well uh there you go here he is playing henry on home improvement and let's go back to that scene. Uh, let me say this: I'm glad that they got like I'm glad they got such a legit actor for this role, even yeah. if he wasn't legit at the time. Because the, if I were like a guest actor doing a one scene cameo on a show, I would want to play a role like this. This role is like a big, uh, big side of beef ribs. It's got some meat on it for you to gnaw on. And I wonder how much he brought to like suggestions to the script and the character because it does not feel like something that a typical sitcom would write. Because yeah, he's a little weird, he's a little offbeaten, and like not clearly like. It kind of shows its age uh, of when it was made, because this is clearly pre-internet. Yes. If Jill had found this and was driving to Toledo to meet up with a guy that she doesn't know and ends up at his house and he's that weird. And it's night. And it's night. Uh, that just wouldn't happen in 2019. I got I got very uncomfortable vibes from because, I mean, he's, yeah. the, you know, her cousin is a weird is a weird dude. Like, she is peeking into the garage and you see him come up behind her and go like, Hello, who are you? Or something like it's that. It's very the burbs. Yeah, very the burbs. I was honestly my biggest vibes the whole time I was getting was Silence of the Lambs. Like when when Jodie Foster is actually talking to the guy at yeah. the end, but like doesn't know he's Buffalo Bill yet. Right, right. Spoiler alert. Um, but yeah, the guy in that movie. But um, 
she, you know, she she's talking to him, and he, you know, he's kind of, he doesn't remember talking to her on the phone, he doesn't know who she is, that he explains he's been shellacking in the other yep. room, and he's kind of fuzzy. <laughs> um... He's weird. He's a weird dude. Yeah. He's a weird uh, dude. But Jill convinces him to uh, show her the piano. So and... they, they walk into the garage. I'm sorry to cut you off. Yeah, which is his studio, his art studio. Yes. Walk into the garage. He then closes the door behind her and stands in front of it. And the whole time I'm watching this, I'm just like, is this just turning into like a CSI episode now? Like <laughs> this, this is the episode we lose Jill. Yeah, I know. I was like, I was feeling acutely concerned for Jill. Like, oh, I was having such a good time laughing at it. Wait, what are you doing, show? Like, this was a ro- emotional roller coaster. Yeah, that's why Tim makes the roller coaster noise as he's getting wheeled out of this scene oh, because it's a, it's an emotional it roller is. coaster. It very much is. Of love. He takes her through the studio over to the piano, uh, where he has converted it into not just an aquarium, but also a train set. Uh, it's pretty cool he like yeah he like pulls down the thing that's supposed to cover the keys and it's just got a model train that's just running in circles around the aquarium which is built into the like the center part the center part of the piano even even truman who played music can't tell you i don't know the the piano is is it called a standing piano it's an upright upright piano so whatever the base of that is that's where the glass aquarium is yeah um and uh she's very disappointed by this yeah uh he uh, you know, his all of his art is basically stuff that has been remade or retouched yeah, from garbage. And he has this great line where he goes, yeah, it's funny when stuff's in the garbage, it costs nothing. But when you put it in a gallery, people whip out the checkbooks faster than you can say whatever people say. <laughs> uh, oh, I, I kind of picture this character as like the Dan Aykroyd in Nothing But Trouble where yeah. there's just a, if given free reign and like inheritance he would just have an entire estate with just mounds of junk everywhere yes yes um, minus the disturbing uncanny valley fat suit characters yeah. we that's not that's not an uncanny valley thing that's not a thing where it looks too realistic that you feel a little bit put off. It's just straight up off-putting and grotesque. Nothing, there's no uncanny valley yeah. and nothing but trouble. It's all it's all just the it's other just side valley. of the, It's just a shitty, ugly valley. It's just a valley of shit. We get a aquarium transition. Uh, the the glass breaks, the water floods out into the scene. Which seems like a disaster for those fish. <laughs> it does, and then it wipes us to uh, back to the party yeah. where Jill uh, is back, but she's uh, standing on the front porch just staring at the sky. Yeah, everyone is, is kind of just kicking around waiting, and then someone says, oh, oh Jill's outside. Oh, but just looking up looking up in the air, and Tim goes out to talk to her. Yeah. And she's standing there on the front porch just looking up at the stars and says, oh, I'm, I'm just... Watching my dreams receding and disappearing into the cosmos. And Tim goes, yeah, I can't even see him up there. <laughs> uh, and he's trying to rush to get her inside. And I don't know. Go ahead. I mean, I was just going to say, like, seeing Tim, like, talking to her about the, like, she's saying, oh, you know, the piano wasn't there. The whole thing was a mistake. I don't know what I was trying to do. And Tim goes, like, oh, we'll get you another piano. I'll get, oh, no, no, come on, just come in. Seeing how eager to like Tim is in this very eager trying to, like, convince yeah. someone to do a thing mode that we see him in a lot. Almost always when I see Tim in this mode of, like, haggling and trying to get someone to do something, it's trying to do something to benefit him. Yeah. Trying to get his wife to come inside so she can be surprised and have a party is really... It's like everything about Tim is so much better when it's done for a selfless (laughs) purpose. Yeah. Uh, We get a confetti transition. I don't know why... We didn't just continue the scene. Well, whatever. I mean, well, it's like he's talking, Jill and, and Tim are talking, and she says, I just, you know, honestly, I, she talks about what a bust this has been. She says, I real honestly just want to be alone right now. Mm-hmm. 
Tim and, and she says this right as she walks inside. Oh, I see. I forgot to take a surprise. note that she walked inside. I yeah, forgot about that. Part. Yeah, that's that's it. Hey, you know, hey, that's what I'm here for to watch the shows. <laughs> hey, Gabigol, what are you gonna do? <laughs> uh, so, but yeah, everyone jumps out and says surprise. Jill reacts. Tim kind of smiles at her. And then we confetti transition to when the party's after over. the party. Jill is cleaning up. Uh, I presume Tim is as well. He's I, over by I, the sink. I think they're all they're all helping out. Yeah. They're all pitching in. And he's like, "Well, I wish you could have been here when we had you know the full party of people." And she's like, "Yeah, but you know." There were 11 people, but there were 11 people I really, really loved. Uh, actually, 10 plus Benny. <laughs> and I'm like, Jill, I love you. Little Benny Burn. <laughs> uh, and she's really grateful for all this. Yeah. And, um, and, and she's talking about, you know, she's, I'm, so, I'm sorry that I went off to, to you know, Akron to get that, uh, to get that piano. Mm-hmm. I, um, I was just so wrapped up in trying to recapture part of the past, and I'm just realizing that, that you know I can't really do that, but what I should have just been more folk. But then I came back here and I had all these people from my past who I love and and the memories that I made with them are what's really important. And oh, oh who's that? It's Julie's wiki. Oh oh shit! <laughs> I'm sorry. I thought you were doing a new segment. Oh no. Yeah, but uh, yeah, there. Well, yeah, yeah, ju- yeah. So Julie shows up unexpectedly. Like, Tim, you gave me terrible directions. Oh, Jill, happy birthday! And comes yeah. in and, and with a with a present for her and everything. There's also, but right before that happens, there is a very sweet moment with Tim and Jill. Oh, sorry, where yeah, they're I talking. Well, she just says like credit where credits due. For what to? Well, we have to. I feel like to be even handed, we have to call out Tim's. Sweetness. Yeah, no, no, this is really sweet. Like, you know, well, Jill is talking to him and saying it's so sweet of you. Thank you so much for doing this. I'm so glad I have a husband who loves me, even though my face is going to cave in. And <laughs> Tim kind of laughs and goes, eh, "I heard about that." Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, but then, uh, then. You know, she she's I don't know. They, they go there. They talk a little more. She says something like, you know, oh Tim, well I hope you I hope you still love me when I uh, when I'm old and falling apart. And he <laughs> says, oh I already do. And then he says, you know, which is kind of which, you know, which is kind of a burn. But then he goes, nah, I fell in love with you, and I tend to I intend to fall apart with you. And yeah, it's like, and that just, was very very sweet. It, it's just like again, I just want like when pe- if people come after us for like quote unquote <laughs> hate watching the show. This is an example when, when, like, Tim Allen's a great actor, and when Tim Taylor, the character, is just trying to do the right thing and bumbling through yeah. it, and and acting selflessly and bumbling through it, not getting it right, he is a sweet, great guy who yeah. I'm happy to watch on TV. Absolutely, this episode is probably the best example in the entire series. Wow, of Tim being just a good, uh, you know, a good guy who was still a clumsy dorky man. Yeah, yeah. Now dorky isn't the right term, but you, yeah, you get it. <laughs> I get what you're saying. As, as a dorky guy, I don't <laughs> want to be lumped in. Um, we get a fade out into um, our stinger, which is the morning after the party. No, yeah. two weeks after the party. Yeah. Um, and Jill is being guided down the stairs blindfolded uh, yes. by her kids. And they pull the blindfold off to reveal her surprise for her actual birthday now. And it's JTT Junction. Oh, shit. <laughs> no, I'm surprised. Oh, JTT Junction, the most celebrated part of our show where we read from the uh, Jonathan Taylor Thomas uh, Tiger Beat book. <laughs> toot, toot. And here comes the trolley. Oh, man, it's we really late to... today. Gotta elect Mussolini to we make all... these things run on time. Let's all hop on to JTT Junction. We are on part two of chapter one of okay. Totally JTT, the book by Michael Ann Johns. Uh, we left off last week talking about Bethlehem, Pennsylvania in, yeah. uh, JTT's early, forget. early years. Yes. Uh, let's go even deeper into his earlier years. Yeah. And let's here we get go. the census data about, uh, Bethlehem <laughs> in, in the year of his birth. All babies are beautiful, <laughs> but baby Jonathan was something else again. He had the fine white blonde hair and bright blue eyes. 
His dimpled smile seemed permanently affixed. As a tiny tot, Jonathan lit up the room the moment he crawled into it. I'm not comfortable <laughs> with this now. <laughs> this this book, like, I miss when we were just talking about Steel Towns. <laughs> they say that second children are by nature outgoing because they are born into a social situation. That's interesting. That's I never thought of oh, yeah, that. Yeah, this book is opening our eyes to new social <laughs> constructs. There's already another child in the house, and they have to interact with it. That may not be the case every time, but it certainly was by nature and by na- by nurture with Jonathan, whose natural inclination was one of friendship and acceptance of others. He wasn't the kind of kid who hid behind his mom uh, behind his mom's skirts when a newcomer approached, but one who was eager to be in on the conversation. Mm. I think that holds water. Yeah, I think so. We've seen so See, far. Yeah, it seems like the way he brings that to his performances. Uh, precocious and curious, Jonathan was an early talker, quick on the pickup, artfully mimicking everything he heard. Always good-natured, he was extraordinarily alert, observant, and happy. In many ways, Jonathan seemed a step ahead of his pint-sized peers. Much like the show. <laughs> also, this is an unauthorized... Unauthorized. Biography. Where, yeah. where are they getting this? I do not know. Who did they interview? <laughs> I also do not know. Uh, he was kind. Uh, he was the kind of toddler who's so obviously different and special that people would stop his parents in the street to admire him. What the fuck is wrong with Bethlehem, Pennsylvania? <laughs> I'm sorry. No. What? What? Excuse me, sir. I'm, I've, I I couldn't help but notice how beautiful your toddler is. Can you just stand still and let me admire him for a minute? I'm sorry. I see I see cute dogs all the time, and I usually don't ask the owner to stop and let me admire them. <laughs> Jonathan doesn't really remember uh, his earliest years, but his mom does. Yeah. As Claudine recently noted, at 18 months old, Jonathan seemed older than his age, and he was really outgoing. Well, Everyone kept saying, wow, why don't you put him on television? At 18 months old, huh? At 18 months. Bethlehem, now, Pennsylvania, its chief exports are steel and bad advice. Get ready to bend your expectations for what you expect someone at a certain age to do and act, because we're about to get into some weird stuff. He started smoking cigars at the age of two. <laughs> uh, they might as well have been saying, why don't you put uh, send him to the moon? For showbiz was nowhere part of their world. No one knew that... Uh, no one they knew had the slightest or uh, interest or inclination about performing professionally. To them, showbiz was just the fantasy world found on the other side of a movie or TV screen. And by and large, folks in Bethlehem were hardworking, everyday people who were entertained by actors. They didn't become actors themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, we're almost through. There was another reason Jonathan's family scoffed at the showbiz suggestions of their neighbors. It is one that has been so deeply ingrained in Jonathan from his earliest years that it infuses everything he does today. <laughs> you are raptured right I, Yeah, now. I know. I'm sorry. I, I, I forgot to make pithy comments because I'm on the edge of my seat. <laughs> Jonathan has always been taught to look outside himself, not inside, Whoa. for satisfaction. He Whoa. has always heard that putting others first was more important and, in the end, more rewarding than looking out for number one. Wow. Seeing how you can lend a hand to uh, your neighbor, school, or community is what counted. That's what made you special and worthwhile, and that's what brought joy and fulfillment. Now, let's go fast forward a little bit. Yeah. Uh, I'm doing excerpts from this book, not the the full thing. Um, Still, 
Others continued to exclaim about how cute and animated he was, how he should really be on TV. And that's what really registered with Jonathan. For little JTT actually understood what people were talking about. I don't know how. Uh, how did you know this in your unauthorized biography? Although his parents weren't picking up on it, Jonathan didn't just forget. He kept it in the back of his fertile, growing young mind. At the tender age of four, Jonathan made two, count them two, one, two, significant decisions. Let me rephrase that, or reiterate that. At the age of four, Jonathan made two significant decisions who makes any decisions when they're four <laughs> they didn't necessarily relate to each other but interesting interestingly enough he hasn't wavered from either of them yet and i think that this book came out when he was 14 um <clears throat> also quick sidebar imagine being 14 and this <laughs> is released about you and it's not authorized. You have no control Ooh. over this book talking about how yeah, people would admire weird. you as such a sexy toddler. Oh, all right. Let's learn what these two decisions yeah, yeah, were yeah. that he made, and then let's get out of there. Uh, one of them, uh, let's see, uh, interesting enough, he hasn't wavered. He remembers them quite clearly. One led him to become a vegetarian. Ooh. Uh, this is in quotes. But, uh, he says, when I was four, I ate a lot of meat products, he explained. But after that year, I started editing out and dropping things from my diet. I'll eventually get to where I'm a total vegetarian. Uh, that's a direct quote from JTT. Uh, apparently, he did interview him for this book, or he's oh. picking it up from Tiger Beats. Yeah. Uh, Jonathan may not have been completely clear about why he made those changes. It just seemed right and natural to him. The other decision also seemed right and natural. It would be several more years until he was able to actually do what he was determined to do, though. At the age of four, Jonathan declared that, yes, he was going to be on TV someday. Oh, my God. He knew. He knew the whole time. <laughs> uh, and, you know, it's funny you say that because I could easily picture a young JTT in The Sixth Sense. Yeah, yeah honestly. <laughs> yeah. I feel like Haley Joel Osment was kind of like... He he, I'm, he might have some regrets that his career didn't explode the same way that... Well, I guess he made AI. That's almost as good. <laughs> almost as good as The Lion King and Man of the House. Oh, how do you feel about uh, JTT at the age of four? Um, zero to four. Zero to four? Well, I mean, I don't have nearly as many feelings about him as this author does. Although, I will say, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I think it says a lot about him that he is making career decisions at four years old. And, like, and massive dietary decisions, yeah, too. Yeah, right. I just was not... I'm not cognizant of any life choices I was making at that age, short of what cartoons I was watching. <laughs> Maybe that's indicative of how... Uh... Uh, advanced and evolved that JTT actually is. That's that's why he was on Home Improvement, and I was watching <laughs> Home Improvement and making a podcast about it. Uh, that concludes Chapter 1. We'll be back next week with the beginning of Chapter 2. Oh, excitement. And uh, let's go back to Jill getting her surprise birthday gift. Jill's birthday gift is they pull off the blindfold. It's the piano. We explained this, right? Did we not? Not, not yet. The, so it's the piano. Uh, Tim and the boys went and got the, the piano from her weird cousin and then spent two weeks restoring it back into real piano form. Yep. Randy mentions that it would have only taken one week, but uh, Tim kept playing with the model train, which <laughs> pretty cool. Pretty yeah. cool. Um, and then Jill sits down at the piano and starts trying to play it and is not very good. And <laughs> they so immediately regret it. it. And the guys are all backing away and going like, how long? 
long would it take us to turn it back into an aquarium? <laughs> um, but it was a really sweet thing for them to yeah, do. Agreed. It was really sweet of them. I, I respect that so much. Yep. Also, I cannot even imagine how badly out of tune a piano would be when, when it's had its guts ripped out and an aquarium <laughs> put in it, and then it's got those guts ripped out and new guts put back into it. Is it the same piano? Oh, oh, it's the question about the axe again. Oh, God. <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to go into that yeah. uh, as we're getting close to the end of this episode. Uh, yeah. Well, we basically are at the end. We are. Uh, we get some outtakes with Tim and the boys cleaning up. Yep. Um, it's funny. We <laughs> then, uh, is there anything that we didn't cover in this episode that you want to? No, short of, uh, short of a tally of grunts. <gasps> the grunt count. Yes. My guess. Yeah. Is zero. Yep. Your guess is right. So you have to get your guess in there pretty quick before I just blow the lid off it and tell you what they are. Truman, what is this telling us about the grunts? It's telling us that the, the downward grunt trend, the opposite of the trend that we were expecting, yeah. has continued. I think we're at like one grunt for the season thus far. In four episodes. That yeah. is, uh, that's low. We never would have expected this. We really thought as the show got cartoonier, it would get gruntier, but that has not been the case. Yeah, not yet. It Not yet. Could, and I, I still feel like there's an upper trajectory of cartooniness coming down the pipeline. Yeah. Well, I mean, they've already they've already shrunk themselves down to four inches tall and gone down a pipeline. So <laughs> I, who, who knows what else will, will the future holds? Uh, that's very true. Well, um, I guess that uh, covers everything in this episode. Yeah, it does. Shall we go to thanking the rest of our patrons? I think we should. All right. Well, then, speaking of Patreon, let's thank our official Gruntheads. Yeah. Uh, Michael, Mason, TJ, Spencer, Cheyenne. Got it right. I, I learned how to say it because a coworker of mine has a daughter named Cheyenne. Oh, Landon, it only took you like two years. I know. Uh, Farah and our new patron, Manbach. Manbach. He, <laughs> is he a robot from the future? Possibly. Do we like it? Yes. Uh, I, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Manbach, if, if I'm not, please give me the correct pronunciation and I will make sure it is correct moving forward. Uh, is this... That promise is very empty. Uh, Cheyenne can uh, attest to that. Is is Manbach the human version of Johann Sebastian Bach and then Robobach is the <laughs> one that is sent back from the future to kill Manbach? <laughs> I think so, yeah. In which case, I'm sorry, Manbach, but I'm actually kind of rooting for Robobach. Uh, just because, I am i don't know, I mean, if the preeminent composure of whatever era that was was a robot, mm. that, that's a movie. I, I, I've i got, uh, I, I like to hold on to my optimism and hope, and I'm on the side of man. Okay, well, I, I everything that I've seen from man recently has not, like, not man-bach, but just man as a general construct has not impressed me. So I think I'm on, on, I'm on Team Robo, but I'm still, I'm still on Team Man-bach. Like, I'm excited that you are a part of our, uh, a part of our uh, fandom. Yes, uh, <laughs> as am I. Um, speaking of patrons, uh, grunt work is made possible by patrons like you. Uh, so if you enjoyed today's episode and you want to help us create even better content, consider becoming an official grunt head over at our Patreon. Yep. For as little as $1 a month, you get access to exclusive bonus content, including our supplemental podcast, Grunt Work Nights, a podcast about basically everything <laughs> except the TV series Home Improvement. Uh, and if you decide to subscribe at one of our higher levels, you can also get access to our video feed of Grunt Work Nights, periodic gifts, and... And a special video message from us. Yeah. Uh, you can do all of that over at Gruntwork, or I'm sorry, patreon.com slash gruntworkpod. Almost stuck it. All right, guys. Listen, last week I made a fool of myself trying to emphasize our ratings and reviews. Yeah. This week I, I've got my three-piece suit on. Yeah, he's very serious My hair right slicked now. back. Yes. My, my chair is turned around. He's got a briefcase next to him. <laughs> it's handcuffed to my wrist. Yeah, full of nuclear codes. <laughs> Here's what we're going to do. 
Ratings and reviews on iTunes are important. Yes. How important? So important that we're running a contest. What? Uh, this might, I don't know, there, there are rules about uh, uh, enticing people to leave reviews uh, for the the baiting of a gift. You know, it's easier to ask forgiveness from Apple than permission from <laughs> Apple. Uh, and if it means that Apple's listening to our episode, hey, it was yeah, worth it. We've won. We are running a contest. Yes. From here until the end of the year. Uh, we are asking people to rate and review us on uh, Apple Podcasts. And if you do, you will win uh, randomly at the end of the year. We will pick uh, um, one of the people who left us a review yeah. to win uh, one of our awesome Wilson prints from Left Sock Designs. Yeah, uh, I've shown them on Twitter and Instagram. If you want to go check them out, uh, look at Left Sock Designs on Etsy. She has a lot of really cool pop art. Uh, I love this this print of Wilson. I'm very excited to give this out. So go leave us a rating review. I'm not going to tell you what to say. I'm not going to tell you what to rate us. Uh, but it does have to be a written review and a, a star review because uh, I can't see the names of people who leave just star reviews. So yeah. if you write out a review, you will be entered for a chance to win um, uh, this awesome Wilson print, which we will decide uh, first week of the new year. Yeah. Be something to look forward to. Nice way to kick off 2020. <laughs> uh and if you do that, they also get something else. Yes. Uh, you also get a good shellacking, ooh, which is uh-oh. code for getting super high off of uh, solvent fumes. Oh, it's kind of harmful. Uh, no, it's actually super cool. No, <laughs> the guy on the show was having a great time with it. He seemed just fine. Just totally okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we'll do good things to you. Only good things. <laughs> so uh, stop by and say hi to us on Twitter or Instagram at GruntWorkPod or uh, on our website where you can find information on today's show, which is www.gruntworkpodcast.com. Trick question. The name of the show is GruntWork. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I really, again, I tune out and I just like, I know I've been trained to say two things. I can't even remember really the Patreon bonuses or anything else. <laughs> that was on me and I'm just pulling a Tim Taylor and putting it on your shoulders. Yeah, you're pulling a Pavlov ringing, <laughs> ringing the bell and I drool no matter what. While you're on our website, you can also sign up for our weekly newsletter, which is a great way to be notified whenever a new episode is released and also get the Grunt Count hit, exclusive trivia, and see what other kind of shenanigans we're up to on the internet. Until next week, when we cover another episode of Home Improvement. I've been Lana Solano. I've been Truman Caps. And remember, here at Red Robin, we ID 39 and a half and over. Ooh. Yeah.